Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Khan, and Dennis Dick with you this morning. Of course, we're going to keep talking about that rotation. It continued yesterday. Uh, I, you know, Dennis did say at the end that he maybe was going to fade it. We're going to find out how he approached it in a moment here. Don't forget, we have a jobs number. At 8.30, the February payrolls figure, so we're going to get to that as well. We'll cover some earnings. We had Costco after the close. Uh, guest today, Jason Rasnick at 8.40, 8.45-ish, and then the CEO of Fubo. I mentioned that for the past couple days now. The CEO of Fubo, David Gandler, will be on the show at 9 o'clock Eastern time. So big show for us today. Joel, bring up those charts and tell us how we are doing in the overnight trading session. Oh, we got a nice old range. And, uh, you know, the buy the dippers came in uh, a little late late on uh, Thursday. They continued overnight. We're, we're back at the scene of the crime, folks. 38, 37.80, last week's low. We are right there, right now, trading at the highs of the pre-market session. So let's hold on here. Maybe get into the 3,800 handle. I'd be looking at uh, Wednesday's close at 3,816.75. On the downside, it's not going to be so easy, folks. We're 60 points off that low. So I don't know. I think if you want to do some buying in the spoos, you're going to have to do it ahead of that uh, pre-market low at 31 and a quarter. Crude, relentless move higher after some cuts, up a buck 41 at 65.24. Gold loses 1700, that's down 460 at 98. Oh boy, 1696.10. Silver treading in the 25 handle, down eight cents at 25.39. And Bitcoin under 50. Tight range, but uh, we're down two hundred fifty-five dollars at uh, forty-eight thousand. Let's just call it forty-eight thousand on the nose. Uh, let's bring in Triple G, and uh, you know, I know I got in trouble for my tangents yesterday, but uh, only one quick one today. What do you got? I got uh, my first new clothing uh, of the pandemic. Uh, Dana got me a shirt that I'm wearing right now. Oh, yeah. And I want to show it to everybody. Yep. Okay, can can it. you see it? Can Brady. You see it? Look at this. My, see what it says? Buddy, we lost. I can't see the bottom of it. Super Bowl. Gron- yep. <laughs> nice. Tampa. Brady, Tampa. 
Brady, Brady. Rockineers. I mean, that's a, that's the summary of the Super Bowl right there. That's Is that a, a great shirt, shirt or what? That's a that's a great shirt. My buddy who's a big Bucks fan would love that. Yeah. So look, she got me the XL. It's a little tight, man. I better quit yeah. working. Out Unbelievable here, but, player. Uh, I mean, just the the Brady. I just can't get over that. But anyway, where let's. Where'd he go? Michigan. Why okay. couldn't he come? Why couldn't Brady have come to the Lions and we could have won a Super Bowl? Uh, why why probably, did he have to go to Tampa? He, he should have came won. back to Michigan, Joel, and it could have been a completely different story for the Lions because he's good enough to. Well, maybe not with Lions team. Would but, you go to Florida? <laughs> wishful thinking, but. <laughs> I, would you go why to Florida? Just, yeah, or but he could have came back home, Joel. Went to Michigan. Come back and help the Lions. We need help. Oh, the Lions. Florida, Michigan. Florida, I Michigan. I struggle okay. with the same thing with my NHL team. Why do you cheer for the Edmonton Oilers? They're up there in the tundra. No players want to go there unless they're forced to go there. So that's why your team's crappy all the time. Who wants to go where it's snowing nine months of the year? I agree. Right, I, I'm bringing us back. Marcus, so, Marcus. So this is a bad noted, tangent. Chat Don't noted, get me on sports. I hate chat, sports. Chat I love sports. All my teams suck. Michigan beat Michigan State, clinched the Big Ten title yesterday. Yeah. All right. Oh chat noting that I'm not, wearing, I'm not wearing a red shirt today. That is true. Yeah, especially with a red shirt yesterday, Dennis. Bad decisions. I think I'm wearing the same shirt I wore yesterday. <laughs> this guy. I'm like, Groundhog Dad, don't leave the house. All I do is trade stocks and parent. That's my life. Parenting right, people and trading People are getting mad stocks. at us. Let's you want to know one more tangent before we start the show, but my wife had to run out to the grocery store quickly, so I've got the two kids, the, the three-year-old and the six-year-old are outside the door, and they're just watching TV. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, I'm on the radio, so don't come in unless the house burns down. And my three-year-old looks at me and says, this house never burns down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so cute three. Oh, but man. okay, God, no. let's, let's go. Not yet. Stonks. All right. So, so stonks, talk stonks. You did say yesterday, maybe that you'd be coming in and fading the rotation, fading the move into value. How'd that work out for you? Uh, I was lightening up into my long-term portfolio, yes. So um, I was selling banks yesterday. I don't know how it worked out because it's only one day. It's kind of <laughs> been about the same okay. um, where I've sold these stocks. Energy continues to go higher. So anything, any energy you sold, you're having regrets. But, I mean, again, I'm going to say the thing. So, you know, I've been through, I've been, Joel too, you know, if you've been around for a long time, you've been through a few bear markets. So you kind of know how they go. Are we in a bear market? That's eh, still to be determined. Definitely in the small growth names we are, though. Um, you know, in the mega caps and the other stocks, no, absolutely not. So you have a tale of two markets here right now. If it starts to get ugly, and that's a big if, but if it starts to get ugly, what eventually portfolio managers start to do is they start to sell winners to raise cash. And I think you're going to eventually, if, the, if it continues to be ugly, the tech names, you could start to see a spillover. And we started to see it yesterday afternoon when you saw, you know, Boeing, which I'm still long. But you saw a lot of those, like, high, those hiding the reopening trades coming off. NCLH, which was way up in the morning, got hammered all afternoon, came back at the end of the day. But you can clearly see that, hey, they started to spill over and started to sell everything yesterday afternoon. Now we've bounced back. It doesn't look as bad now. So, you know, this market's starting to buy the energy stocks and the banks again. But it's all hiding. So rotation is still keeping us afloat. The question is, does that rotation um, continue to keep us afloat? We saw Mega Cap hold up very well. Or did the growth names come back? Maybe there's a bounce in the growth names. There's a lot of questions. I don't have the answers to that. 
Somebody on CNBC is going to say they know the answer. They're lying because nobody knows anything. We don't know. All we can do is take the information we are presented and then, you know, draw up our own, you know, and, and just trade what we see. So that's what I'm trading too. I'm trading, you know, certain rotations. But at the same time, you know, you've got to be aware that if you're hiding in energy, if you're hiding in retail, if you're hiding in consumer staples, if you're hiding there, if it really gets ugly, they'll hammer all that stuff too. I think that's still to come. But that's just my thoughts. Nice bounce off the low. So we took out last week's low where, you know, right now it doesn't look like we have the Friday end of the low close. But I think today's important. You got the jobs number, right? So there's some optimism there. Uh, But, you know, you just you undercut that that low from last week. You're trying to get above it. I think a close in the 3,800 handle would be a little bit more settling. If we, you know, don't like the jobs number, we start losing it, we get down, we take out that low from yesterday, then I would definitely be a little bit, I mean, I'm like 25% bearish. I would go 50% bearish if that happened. But, man, there's always, you know, there's always the bounces. There's always ways to be nimble, play both sides of the market. I haven't haven't done anything, um, you know, as far as long-term stuff, I mean, not nearly as nimble as you, Dennis, as far as wheeling in and out to try to stay fully invested. I mean, well, I have a lot, a lot of cash right now, but I always yeah. have a lot of cash. So there's, 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 it's, you know, same scenario for me. Yeah, well, I'm not sitting here liquidating my whole portfolio either. Don't kid yourself. Right. My long-term portfolio gets smacked around on days. You know, I didn't sell any of my Amazon. I didn't sell any of my Apple. I didn't sell any of my Microsoft. I didn't sell any of my Google. I didn't sell my long-term Q's holding. I didn't sell my long-term spy holding. Right. I sold some of those smaller growth, you know, names I was have been selling into. I've been selling those for a week and a half. Every time we see some strength, not selling when we're down. 500 you know when we're down three percent the nasdaq i was using the rallies and we talked about this yesterday getting out of some of those smaller names lightening up you know and i'm still in a few of those names too i don't want to be completely out of all that stuff and but the question is you know, everybody gets what are you buying what are you buying what are you buying uh it's just guilty until proven innocent right now this market so i'm not coming in here and trying to catch the falling knife i mean some of these stocks were hammered you're trying to buy neo a week ago two weeks ago you know 60 oh it's 50 now i want to buy it oh it's 40 now oh it's 39 and now it's 38 i mean you got to kind of let them stop going down let them base let them stabilize because we're going to have snapback rallies and if you catch that you just got lucky but if you can get a setup where these stop going down they start to stabilize and then they start showing some life that's where it gets interesting because the technicals on all of those growth names are broken and i don't know if the tech bubble burst or if this is just a correction in an overall, you know, bull trend here still. But I can tell you that if I'm looking at a chart of Tesla, the Tesla trend is still there. 600 probably still there. The overall trend, the overall, if you go out to your weeklies, you can still see a clear uptrend here. So it's still intact. But there's some smaller names like Fastly. Well, that trend's clearly broken. Clearly broken. You know, AYX, clearly broken almost arguably in a downtrend now if i'm going out and looking at the last like, year and a half of data um you know obviously amazon stuff still in a clear uptrend but looking you know looking like we're struggling we're struggling a little bit here so the market's technicals at least on the tech stocks are not that healthy and that makes me a little less inclined to come in here and just catch the falling knife i guess everybody got quiet all of a sudden speechless 
Dennis. Those moments of silence, you got to cherish those moments of silence. When you have a three-year-old and a six-year-old at home, you get that moment of silence, you grab onto that, and you hold that moment as long as you can. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, Despy's still hanging up here, up 12 and a quarter. It's 70, let's call it uh, 12 and a half. It's 78 even. Do we want to get uh, well, or real, earnings out of the way? Or do you mean, gotta... wait, real fast, do either of you have any comments on, on the reaction uh, to, to Jerome Powell and what he – he didn't really say anything new. I, I don't – I know. He, I, guess, I guess that was the problem. Is he, well, I, I don't really well, know. I thought, I, he did say one statement, which I think was the spook of the market – was that he said we can't let hyperinflation, you know, we can't let you know inflation get out of control. He that was I, I I'm I'm parsing the words because but I, I read it, you know, obviously, and I, I reread it afterwards. I heard it and I reread it. But he did talk about um, that they've seen you know high inflation environments. They're not good. They're not going to let that happen. So that's counter to what he was saying. We're not worried about inflation because now he said, yeah, we're not worried about a little inflation, but if we got a lot of inflation, we would worry about that. So that's, you know, I think spooked the market as well, you know. So so that's where this market is looking right now. We're looking to the Fed. Are they going to continue to just spike the Kool-Aid here? I think they're going to do their best. But if, if inflation gets out of control, the only way to really control inflation is rates. So, I mean, that's going to hammer stocks. So there's a balancing act here that the Fed is always doing. But that balancing act has kind of, you know, fixed itself to a certain extent. But if he's going to worry about inflation, then the market's going to worry about the market. Imagine uh, yesterday I said, you know, he's been saying, hey, raise forever. And I said, it's, you know, the, the big thing is not going to be when they actually raise rates. It's but when he, you know, he intuates that we may raise rates. Right, exactly. Because right, right now he said it's not, right now he's like, we're not even thinking about thinking about it, right? Uh, but but when he says we're thinking about it, then then we're off. Yeah, to the, to the races. So but still, point. you see, this is where I get torn. I mean, come on, rates go. I mean, incrementally, rates going up. Are are you really pulling your money out of the stock market to you know go get you know these low yielding? I mean, it's going to oh. be a long time, man, before yeah. I even look at a CD or uh, you know. I mean, come on. I mean, are they even around anymore? I, I mean, let's do the economics lesson for yeah. They're offering yeah. one. They're offering one percent. Really, that much? Huh? No, I, no. I was Should joke. we do the economics lesson just quickly here in the next minute for the newer listeners and the maybe didn't take an economics course? Um, you know, or interest that, rates, or interest like rates hurt stocks the well. way Joel is talking because higher interest rates will attract capital, meaning they pull it out of you know higher risk assets because they can put it in a safer asset and still get paid. So, you know, you get interest rates of 5 6 7%. It's attractive. Long-term, you know, markets, you know, up 7 8% a year on average. Well, if you can get that 8% in a risk-free, you know. But, but Joel's saying we're so far off of that 2%. It's not really money going to fly out for that reason. The other thing is it higher rates slow the economy down because there's, you know, the mass amounts of, you know, the economy is built on borrowing capital. So you have businesses that borrow capital. So lower rates help those businesses, which in turn help stock prices. So higher rates less business, and then obviously translate into lower stock prices. That's the economics behind it. Now, again, we don't econ economists here. We don't want to be economists, but we, that's we know the concern with higher rates if you're new to the markets. And also the effect on the debt with higher rates too, right? Well, that's a whole uh, other animal yeah, because we've never had debt like this with high interest rates. 
So I don't even know how I can't even service the debt at higher interest rates. You know, that's a whole another can of worms, a huge can of worms. Peter Schiff and you know everybody arguing this. You know, you, you can service the debt when you're paying one percent on all that. Oh, if yeah. you're paying three, four, five percent on twenty, what is it? Twenty eight trillion? What is it? I don't even know where it is. I don't know. They used to have that little thing in the corner the where clock it's just going clean. up, but they don't even yep. worry about it now. It's just the hole so deep. It's oh, never I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. National debt, national debt clock. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to know. If it goes negative, if rates go negative, though, then um, then we can start reducing our debt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where's the debt clock? U.S. That U.S. national debt, twenty-eight. I don't know what the number is. I 20, guess pretty well, twenty-eight trillion. <laughs> I guess yeah, that's that's twenty. I guess trillion. almost yeah. right on twenty-eight trillion dollars. Look at you. Look at that thing climbing, man! Stop looking at it. I'm getting stressed out. I just lost two. We just lost two hundred grand. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? You're in Canada. This doesn't affect you. Yeah, what's yeah, my, Canadian? My, if you had a Canadian deck clock, if they got a Canadian one, it probably looks similar. It's not that high per capita, but per, we got a lot of debt too. Don't kid yourself. The economy is built on debt. This is all over the world, unless you're in China, and they right. have a sur they have <laughs> they got right. the surplus kicking he, every he, year. Here's the Canadian. Oh, the debt. Canadian one. There we got it. What is that? Was that one one trillion? Yeah, but we have like ten percent of your population, so it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and we don't have as much industry either. You know, we sell. You know, we got hockey and beer, and you know, we got some lumber, but lumber and, and, maple and, syrup. and maple syrup. Right. How those maple, maple syrup, syrup futures doing? I don't know. I haven't looked at them lately. All right. Got to tap those trees. Bringing it back here, we got uh, twenty or so minutes till Jason Raznick. Uh, let's cover some stocks, and then we'll go to some questions from the chat. Ticker time. You, you want to do Ticker time already? You want to do Costco? Oh, let's do Costco. Let's, let's do, do Costco. Costco. Well, let's do Costco. Costco. Costco had earnings last night. Their earnings per share missed what was pretty high estimate. Uh, yeah. The EPS was two dollars and fourteen cents. The estimate was at two dollars forty five cents. So again, that's a miss. But the estimate was I, I felt Costco that was missed. I felt that was pretty high. Comps. Uh, Q2 comps, which is same store sales, which is essentially sales for Costco locations that have been open for at least a year, increased 13% year over year. E-commerce sales up 75% year over year. I don't see any guidance that they gave. Joel, you have to try um, The uh, stock's in free fall still. Yeah, I, look at that. I, yeah, I know. It's been ugly. I think uh, at 300 bucks, I think I put this on my long-term account at $300. I, this is one that we're not far off. From where I would actually try to call the bottom on Costco, it could go 280, 270. I think you're buying Costco under 300 dollars. I think you're going to make money. So, Costco, awesome company, not going away. Works in a pandemic. Works not in a pandemic. This company fires on all cylinders usually, except apparently this quarter. Um, it's down a little bit. They're not hammering it. It's already been hammered pretty much. 390, you know. So I don't know. 300 bucks. I like it. You own Costco? Uh, I own. Well, I did own some just delicious lobster tails there that I got on Saturday. <laughs> they were a pound and a half, Dennis. How busy is the store when you go it was in there busy. physically? It was busy. busy. Yeah, yeah. Busy. I mean, we yeah. dropped, uh, at least you said we're not spending $500, so we only spent $420. Uh, but, uh, man, the street just leaning the right way into this report, leaning the right way since January in this yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, every day a step-down seller. I don't know if they're done yet. But uh, I'd wait a day or two. You mentioned the 300 level. We're down. If we could make, if we make a couple lows, I, even if it's not a, you know, at 300, wherever it is, you get a bounce maybe because I mean this thing, I mean it wasn't that bad of a report. Lost 60 bucks just uh, 
this year alone, and uh, that's even off the all-time high. So you are off the uh, pre-market low. Uh, that was looks around like three eleven fifty. So I'd use that, but man, uh, it's going to be tough sledding. They had a little pop. They stuffed that out right away. Three eleven pre-market low. Uh, you look like three fifteen and a half. The rebound high off that. Those are the early numbers. Three hundred. I like. Next. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll see it today. No, I don't. No, but but put your long-term order out there. You never know. Yep. <laughs> All I right. threw a rocket order out there to buy too. If you want to like penny jump me, I think I put it at twenty-one bucks. If it ever gets back down there, long-term GTC, good tell canceled. Twenty-one dollars, I rebuy my rocket <laughs> after all that stuff. After it goes to forty, it's twenty-seven. Yeah, I know. I, I know. missed the run. I'll come buy the dip on it now if it gets back near that support. Okay. Somebody asked, "I'm still long Zynga." Yes, I am. I thought about buying more Zynga on the pullback. I have a, I have a large position in it. I was going to get it even bigger at 10 It didn't quite get there. I didn't get back down to $10. I think Zynga could still come into play here yet, as in could be a takeover candidate. So, especially with Glue Mobile getting bought, I like Zynga. And also, I like Michael Pachter, who said he likes Zynga with a capital, or L or capital Z. I'm not sure what like capital letter use, but... <laughs> okay. Capital so letter. Yes. He likes with a capital letter. All right. Yes. Um... There's a couple more stocks on, my, on, our, on our list, but nothing nothing that I felt was super urgent. Uh, Palantir, they want to talk. They want I know. To talk I was going to go to the chat. Every go to the chat. day. So we should have was... a – do you have something for a Kathy Wood segment? Yeah, uh, like get the Kathy pop-up. No, no, like, no, we should no, make like one. A... Sound effects. We should make Could one. Be, let's think of a song. Let's collectively think of a song that has like um, – Right now? Yeah. This is a hard thing to do. No, no, no. I veto, no, no. I, I, I veto the right now thing. Yeah, I veto it too. <laughs> okay, so I'll let Joel can think about it in the background. Wait, while all right, I get Kathy my technicals. Wood. All right, what did Kathy Wood, what did ARC do yesterday? Uh, 57. She buys the same stocks every 50, day. Yes, 57 transactions, yeah. 37 buys, 20 sells. Yeah. Uh, there's really nothing new. Uh, but that being said, Dennis and I have both been uh, reading about, I, I guess, what is what is a growing uh, murmur, um, uh, short arc murmur, uh, or, or, or risk factor, really, in that yeah. arc invest because of the inflows, the massive amount of inflows into their funds has 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 gotten so big, and Dennis can, can explain this more. Has gotten so big in a number of uh, smaller growth companies that I guess should arc face ever face a situation where they get a lot of redemptions, a, a lot of outflows. Uh, and by a lot, I mean more, like more than a day. It would, it would have to be like prolonged outflows over you know week or weeks. Then they may be in trouble because the liquidity may not necessarily be there in these smaller stocks. Is that what you've seen as well, Dennis? Yeah, I'm trying to just bring it up right now. I think it was Peter Chur that was. Uh, I'm not. I've seen, I didn't see it. From, I've seen it from a few people who were saying. Okay, so they're bouncing around. So the argument here, I'm not sure if it was Peter or not. I've had Peter on the show. Great guy, smart guy. Um, I don't know if it's Peter, so but I was reading something from Peter Church, so I, I might it might be from him, not might not, but I just want to say I think it was from him. Um, he was just talking about you know we saw stuff like this happen back during during you know the the oil bubble where we had um, a huge hedge fund manager that was buying speculative oil names. When this when oil went to one hundred forty seven dollars, they were buying up all these you know speculative smaller oil stocks and piling in and the fund was just kicking ass and taking names because oil was going up and those stocks have high betas on oil so they're going up three times more than oil so he's loading up loading up loading up and then the oil the oil bubble burst 
and he's trying to liquidate all of these oil stocks, but you know he's, he's buying these things at high valuations. Oil's going down, so they're going down twice as hard, and there's no buyers. So, and then people are coming in and having redemptions because they want to get out. I want to get out. So he's got to raise cash, and he's got to be now selling all of these oil stocks, these smaller speculative oil names, into markets that have really no buyers, very few buyers. So he's driving the price down, just trying to meet his redemptions. So the argument was, could Kathy get into a situation where she's so big into some of these smaller names? This is my argument. This is what we were, I was reading, what Spencer was reading. Um, could she get into a situation if the market really got ugly? And if we really started hammering some of these growth names, and if she actually started getting redemptions, which she hasn't even really been getting you know, much redemptions, I don't think, yet. Um, but if people started to get spooked and say, look, you know, this isn't working, I want my money back out, she'd have to sell stocks. And if she gets into a situation where she's got to start selling some of those smaller names, her price impact from her selling, because she is so large in some of these names, could be substantial. Meaning, you know, she could be trying to sell, like, think about trying to sell a pile of VU Zebra I, a pile of CMLF. These aren't thick stocks. I mean, these stocks have been absolutely hammered already. I mean, it's $25 three days ago, it's 14 this morning. So, you know, these are stocks that she's got large holdings in. Um, not super large, but she's, she, of their percentage, she's got a big chunk of, you know, she owns a, when she's buying a big chunk of that, you know, she's a big player in that stock. So for her to get out, you know, it's going to be difficult. Now, we're not even close to that situation. We're not even in the realm. We're just outlining, the, 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 the piece was just outlining scenarios that could potentially happen if it really started to get ugly. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're in this market environment where everything's going to crash and burn. I'm not, uh, do, do I think the tech bubble and the growth names popped? Yeah, I do, and, and some of the growth names. But it hasn't popped in a lot of other stocks. So I don't think we're in this huge bear market here yet, so to speak. Um, but we are in certain stocks. So, I mean, obviously, Kathy's very good. She knows her stuff. And I'm sure she's got some contingency plans, you know, if, you know, she gets into trouble. I'm sure she's got big money in liquid names as well, even Tesla. You know, she's got, she, Tesla's fairly liquid. I mean, she's probably, I'm not trying to spook everybody here. We're just trying to, Spencer brought it, brought it up, and that was the argument. So I'm on the fence there. I don't know. I, again, I'm not with, you know, I, I don't invest in ARC for the simple reason is that I don't like paying extreme multiples for growth because in a bear market, it gets ugly in a hurry. And that's what you've, why I've seen ARC come off so substantially. But it works really well in a bull market. So if you think the bull market's going to continue, if you think we're taking off to S&P 5,000, 6,000, Kathy Wood stocks will lead the way. They would, these stocks will take off and, and ARC would be a good buy on the dip if you think that. I don't know what I think about the overall market here right now, but I just know when I invested in high growth names back in 1999, 2000, eventually I got hammered in March of 2000 and 2001. So I learned the hard way that I kind of like growth at a reasonable price, not growth at any price. So what Dennis basically just said is he's he's not buying ARC is what he said right now. Uh, he's not chasing it. I will uh, probably never buy ARC funds right. for the simple reason that it's what we're seeing right now. It's the growth at any cost. I think it comes to roost eventually. I don't think you can just pay any price for growth and not eventually get punished. It works really well in an uptake. So, but you're seeing a small taste of it right now in the last seven, eight days that, whoa, you know, these things can really get hit hard if we move out of a growth environment. I'm always more of a value guy, though. I'm a more Warren Buffett approach. I know it's boring, 
but I like to sleep at night. I don't like my portfolio going down 20% in, in, in a week. So let so. me give you my perspective because I've been long the ARCW for, for a year. I, I bought it uh, when, we were, when we were on the way down or maybe we were on, I forget, somewhere around the bottom. Nothing, not exactly, but somewhere around the bottom in, in March is when I bought the ARKW. Uh, and everyone's got to have their own uncle point, right? So I've got my uncle point in mind. Uh, you know, if we, if basically uh, we, I lose fifty percent of my gains, then I'm going to start lightening up. Whoa, potentially. But until point. what? That's a bit. That's a large uncle point. Well, yeah, <laughs> because because it's I, I, you got to give fifty oh, percent of your gains, not fifty percent of your capital. Fifty percent of your gains. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, that's a, that, I, I thought you said fifty percent of your capital. No. 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 Fifty percent of your gains. Okay. That makes no, no, sense. No. No. But that's still a big number. But you got to give growth a little, a little room to, a oh, little, for sure, a little room to breathe. So, yeah, but, for but sure. you, but if you're like me, and and you're up like you know you're up a hundred percent or more in in these arc funds. You gotta start thinking about Dennis. This, right? Two minutes to two minutes to the jobs Thank number. You, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, okay. I just, just canceled. I actually yeah, already canceled my orders. Okay, so I'm not sitting out there for quick, this one. I hope, I hope we don't get in trouble for this, but um, here we go. Wait, Joel, you gotta share your screen. Oh God, what's what are we doing? I'm scared, here? Joel. What are we doing? What is this, Joel? I can't hear it. What you can't? No, we we can't hear it. What are we doing? All right, I'm taking that off. Knock on wood. <laughs> Joel. No, no, I don't what know what that, that? I, I don't know what that is. We can't hear it. Doesn't matter. It's, why not? <laughs> Tell us what it's, it was now. Oh, uh, it's knock on wood. Like, is it a song? Yeah. I guess it's. That would have been fun. All right. We're trying. He's oh, trying to find the theme song for Cappy. I told you to check. He's the, trying to find oh, the theme wait, song for Cappy. Hold on. Hold on. I told hold you on. to check the box. I told you to check. Oh, the box. Oh, you did. You did. Oh, you did. Spencer gave me all the right directions. Let me do it one more time. Well, while that's going on, everyone, non-farm payroll is expected to rise 210,000 from, from January. Unemployment rate expected to stay the same at 6.3%. Let me get uh, uh, my newsfeed up here so I can, you know, watch this number as it comes in. I'll just in. do it for just one second. I just bought stocks. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. That just came in. Okay, we gained three hundred and seventy-nine thousand jobs Ooh. last quarter. All right, or last quarter, last month. Uh, big increase, big increase. Again, two hundred jo- non-farm payrolls was the was the estimate. A two hundred thousand dollar, uh, two hundred thousand job gain, and we instead of gained three hundred and seventy-nine thousand jobs last month. Good number on the non-farm payrolls. What do I have for? I, just, I bought that dip. <laughs> I don't know if it's good or not, big but I, I bought that. I got hammered on that. Well, not hammered, big, but I, they, they big, were hitting my bids on beat. that dip. Big beat on that jobs number. I threw okay. fifteen point. I threw my number fifty or a buck and a half down on spy. Uh, unemployment rate. Unemployment rate down to six. It's coming right back there, Dennis. No, it's coming right back there. Unemployment rate down to six point two percent versus six point three percent estimates. So getting a little better there. Big jobs beat. Nice job. Uh, okay, so so yeah. So, anyways, I was actually short going into that report, so I was just basically covering is what I just did. So I'm flat and neutral now. Uh, but yeah, I mean this market is tough, so it's trying to find reasons to sell. I was like getting hit pretty good there uh, when we were up ten handles there because I was short the market, and so now I'm flat and covered. I covered it. Obviously, we're gonna continue lower here, but anyways, interesting market. Yeah. Uh... We now we were just floating up, and they whacked it pretty good. So I mean, it's the initial 
reaction is down. Now you're a ways from that pre-market high, 82.50. So I think you're going to have to find an intermediate level here. And right now, I'm just going to be concentrating on the close. That's a 65 and a half. If we get the longer it takes for us to get back over there, probably bounce around like a ping pong ball. But right now, we, uh, we like yeah, after, you know, after that plunge, we got to get green here and stay green. And right now it is a struggle. So let's see. I think that little blip was 59.75. So right now, keeping a close eye on that closing price of 65 and a half. We lost 20 yeah, handles. Yeah, that. we did. That was a good, good hit. I'm so upset. I had the Kathy Wood knock on wood song all queued up. And Spencer told me exactly what to do, and I didn't do it. It was too close to the jobs number. Anyways, we just <laughs> lost 3760 here, folks. And uh, not liking what I'm seeing. I'd like to see us get back up to the close. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see that. So here we are. Uh, nice. Nice day. Had a nice day going on the green side, and now we're in the red. I know nothing. You Nobody, know nothing. I know nothing. So, <laughs> I mean, let's let this digest. Let's right. see what happens here. It's digesting, Dennis, and they're selling. <laughs> I don't think we're going green. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm market neutral. I am market neutral. I'm not short the market anymore. I was short coming in. And I was getting hammered a little okay. bit. I covered. I'm market neutral we'll right see what now. Happens. All my trades, obviously, always. I'm, I'm always invested. I, we know I've raised a lot of cash. I, I don't know if we're, again. I was asking Twitter. I don't know if we're in. I don't know this. Why do I hear myself? Yeah, I, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. I don't know why we hear that guy. Maybe it's Joel. Wait, what I do? Direction. Direction. This is something bigger. So that's why. I raise cash. Yeah, let me try something yeah. real fast. Let me stop sharing. Maybe I still have the video, the audio click, the double thing here. Let me reshare and then unclick. I hear myself. Okay, I don't want to hear myself anymore. So that's right. I think I fixed it. One Dennis is enough. Two Dennis's you can't handle two Dennis's. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. 834. We've got Jason on in a couple minutes. Let's do uh let's do some tickers from the chat. I saw PJ was mentioning Grogen earlier. And let's look at GRWG. We'll look at this for a while. Yeah, came well, off. This looks broken too. This is a growth name. It's, it goes right in that high growth, high multiple stocks. If you're looking at the trend and you take your Jeff Mackey purple crayon, it's broken. Trend is broken. So you lose the. What happens is this is what happens when you lose. You know the momentum. You lose the Momo guys and the value guys like me. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a momentum trader, but a value investor. And the investor side of me says, no, maybe you're coming at like 20. So I mean, so then you're into this vacuum. I call it the vacuum. And you know, we haven't talked about this for a while because I haven't been a bear market for a while. But you have the growth, 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 growth. Everybody, you know, Momo guys in. Momo guys start to get out, and they need people to sell to. Well, the value guys are way down here. So if Momo guys need to get out. And the value guys are way down here. You got to find other, you know, players in there to sell to, and it's difficult. There's that huge gap because people that are value investors aren't paying 50 times sales for Snowflake. So that's why those stocks continue to get hammered because you don't have that floor. You don't have. We always talk about, you know, on other stocks they have like dividend protection. You know, on AT and T and Verizon, you know, they, they only go so low to a certain extent. Obviously, as long as the dividends are safe, because you have different types of investors that will come in. 
and buy those stocks. You know, even with Apple and Amazon, you know, there's valuations here that are okay. Facebook, it's only trading like 19 times. So, you know, that's why Facebook, why does Facebook not go down right now? Because we're in a value market right now. We're in this value market and those stocks are holding up okay. Even though it's a tech stock, it's a value tech stock. So it's going to hold up better. But Snowflake trading whatever it was, 50 times sales, Zoom trading whatever it was, 30 or 40 times sales, those stocks get hit the worst because there's no other players that are going to come in when the going gets tough. The Momo guys get out because momentum's gone and the value guys say, no, thank you. And that's when you have a lack of buyers and you can see it whoosh through levels very, very quickly. And that's what's happened with Snowflake. And that's what's happened with a lot of, you know, these growth names here because it's cooled off. Growth has cooled off, at least temporarily. Uh, if you're hanging in here on, on the GRWG, uh, what I can tell you is your January low was 37.71. Your low so far in this much is, this month is 37.70. Two monthly lows in the same area. You're trading down a buck 97. I don't know if that's just uh, some crazy prints going off or some actual, but uh, right there. I mean, if you're trying to pick a bottom in here, you absolutely have to keep an eye on 37.70. Things will open up way down way down to the $30 level. So that's what I'm picking. Currently trading 3808. So it's also going to be the third time down. And you know, there's no such thing as a triple bottom. It doesn't look, it just looks like there's some scatty trading in it. It doesn't look anything. So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, I agree with you on the trend being broken, the valuation. I'm just trying to give some people in it some technical hope. All right, so we got distracted and we never actually got to Palantir. Do you guys want to go back to that? Yeah, it's yeah, quiet. Sure. It's quiet. Uh, I wouldn't. Hmm, I wouldn't want to be shorted here necessarily, and I'm not really thrilled about being long it. I don't. I, I say if I had to pick a position with all the support in this area, oh man, maybe give it to under 22. Give yourself some room, but it's just heavy. It's not, did Kathy buy it yesterday again too? Or not? I don't know if she bought. I don't think she bought she yesterday. Not. She did not. She but did think not about buy. how many Kathy Wood buys have propped this thing up, and it still keeps going, going down. down. So you can say, oh, we're holding nicely. But there has been so many artificial pops in here from Kathy Wood that this isn't healthy for that reason. So you can look at a chart. You yeah. can analyze a chart. But when you look at it and think and throw a little bit of the fundies in there, throw a little bit of even the order flow situation in there, she's been buying. That's put upward pressure on. And then all the Palantir chasers, the Kathy Wood chasers have been buying too. And the stock is still going down. So that's telling you there is a lot of other people who you know are very nervous about this stock. Evaluation's not good. It's not cheap. So I don't know. I can't get on board with Palantir here. It is good that it's stabilized and it doesn't look as ugly as some of these other charts. I mean, it's still down, you know, a week and a half from 37 to 24. So it's still pretty ugly, but it's stabilized in the last five, six days. Kathy Wood is the reason this is stabilized to a certain extent. If the Kathy Wood buyers eventually stop buying, there could be the sellers left. So it's hard to get bullish here, Palantir. I will say if you are trying it, 2270 would be my break point. So if you're trying, you're saying, okay, I'm going to risk a buck. If it takes out the low, then you know I'm fine with that. You've got a stabilization. You've got a trend. You've got an out. But when you're buying these high growth names, have yourself a level. Have yourself an out where you're not an uncle point, what Spencer was just saying. You know, my uncle point on Palantir, if I was buying at 23.93 right now, it would be 22.70. So you could do that, and that's fine. It's going to make or, some money. Or you could say, you know what? This thing is weak. There's sellers in That's here. what I said. 
And there's, you know, show me you can clear 26. Show me the money. Show me you can clear that four-day high at 590, the three-day high at 559. Yesterday's high was right, you know, just below that area. Yeah. Show me, yeah. Show me, you know, it almost would be like, show me you can hold 26, and I'll lean on the 2270 low. Yeah. Right now, you know, you're not showing me anything down 72 cents at 24.01. And yesterday's low way down at 23.05. So, um, you know, maybe trying to buy that straight. Dennis is right in buying the dip once again. We went red. Now we're green by uh, just a few handles here. So, chop suey in the 37.60 handle. Uh, back green on the session. I'm, I'm glad I got covered on that dip. I'm yeah, glad you did. You did. <laughs> if we would have ripped higher, I'd be like, "Yeah, it would have been a tough day." <laughs> Next. Everyone, got it. Everyone's got talking. It. Everyone's talking about bond yields going up. The TNX, yeah. I mean, TLT's going <laughs> down. I mean, <laughs> TLT's getting hit again. Banks are blasting off. JP Morgan up two and a half bucks. I am long bent JP Morgan. Full disclosure, um, just as an overnight trade, and I have it hedged off, so I'll take that off after the open. But Goldman's up four dollars and seventy cents. I mean. The banks are strong, uh, really strong here this morning. So this is after. They were strong before the jobs zone. They're stronger after. So banks and energy continue to be strong here. That trend continues to go. Um, like I said, my longer-term portfolio, I've been lightening up into this. I lighten up into strength. You know, that's the way I trade the longer-term portfolio. When I get nervous about it, too, you know, I'm not going to sell my – You know, I don't have the growth names to sell. I sold them all last week. So – I'm looking at what hasn't been smacked around, and I'm lightening some of that stuff up because I'm worried that that stuff could eventually get smacked around. I might be well, wrong. I might, maybe the energy is just going to continue up, but I never had any energy stocks. So I haven't participated at all in the energy market. I don't like energy. So I haven't participated at all in this up market in energy. What is a symbol for Flagstar Bank? Uh, FBC. Okay. That's random. No, I, I own that bank. So I just oh, you got that one. That's yeah. a thin one. That's a really thin one. Oh, I had a rough day yesterday. What happened to Flagstar yesterday? It's taken off. It's forty nine dollars. Did have earnings or something? That was a big, know. ugly, ugly uh, reversal there, Joel. On that one. Ah, whatever. <laughs> Joel's Joel's long term. I I don't know anything. Let's keep doing some more tickers till Jason comes on. Yeah, let's do. And also, guys, smash that like button. We've got several, new highs, several new thousand highs. viewers, and all we make new highs now. Yeah, we did. Holy yep. market. Buy the dip. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, look buy at the dip. dip works again. Back above yesterday's low. Or back back above last week's low. Excuse me. Show that in. Up. What is that pre-market chart on the spoos? Let's just see what we did there because how, I, uh, I was how, like bidding fifteen points, like a buck and a half down on spy, which is equivalent to fifteen points on the S and P futures, and I got hammered like within about five seconds of that. Where'd you get done at seventy six or something? Six, 376 uh, and a half, I think. So, Ooh, you know, yeah. 376. Yeah. But I went below that. It, it went did. down to 375 and change on that on that candle. So, yeah, 7540. But yeah, what about trying to buy 76 on the way back up? You know, it's 76 and a half on the way back up. I just, I, I, the reason I was bidding out there is because it was short. I mean, this is what I say all the time shorts help the market because they're the people who aren't scared to buy. I needed to cover. So I get my order out there. And if I'm going to get a whipsaw on jobs number, it might get me out of a bad short. And it did. You know, it allowed me out. Being short coming in today was not the call. We were up. You know, it was it was the call overnight. It was working until, you know, somewhere two or three in the morning when we decided yep. we were going to go green. Um, maybe it was Europe. You know, I don't know why. Or maybe it's just a bounce back. But um, coming in, I came in short. And it was not the call. So I was like scrambling around. So we get that 
big jobs number that just bailed me out of my shirt. So I use those numbers as whipsaw events sometimes to get myself out of a bad trade. It worked out that way. Also, less liquidity. So you're providing liquidity. Your evil order out there providing liquidity. Oh, and there's other people who are probably short. And, you know, those are maybe what causes to come back up is there was some people banking on the short side coming in. Here was an ugly tape last night. So I guarantee you there's a few traders out there who were short this market coming in. And they're scrambling around. And those people probably are the people who are buying us back originally. And then you get more people. And then you get the FOMO going. And then, you know, that's how the rallies start. Basically, when you're in, in the gutter and the market's really weak, the real turnaround is usually caused by shorts covering. And then that's bringing buyers into the market. And then that brings more buyers into the market. So that's why I say if you take shorting out of the market, you don't have that underneath buyer that's eventually going to be willing to step in and catch a falling knife. A short is willing to catch a falling knife because they're booking their profits. So they're your first buyer that comes in. And then other buyers, you know, beget more buyers. So that's why you need shorting in the market for the simple reason that when you get them, one, it keeps bubbles in check. But two, when the market gets ugly, those are your first buyers that come in. Guess what made a 33-month high yesterday? No idea. 33-month high. And I, I don't even know. It's a random what- number. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to. Well, I looked. I didn't want to put three-year high in my article because it wasn't a three-year high. What is it? Uh, GE. Oh yeah, and, and you know what? GE was getting CNBC love like crazy uh, the night before. So we had Tim Seymour pitch the stock. We love Tim Seymour. Okay. Um, he's been on our show lots of times. He pitched it. And the stock was ripping higher on that pitch. People want an excuse to buy GE, and then Tim's on CNBC. And then everybody else on CNBC, Karen liked it, uh, Guy liked it, and Grasso, who, whatever Grasso says. I mean, I don't know why they've decided that Steve Grasso is the man, but, I mean, Grasso moves stocks so much. Uh, fast money, he's the one that everybody's decided knows the most. And he's had some great stock picks. And Grasso, we love you, too. I don't think we've ever had Grasso on the show. We're Maybe not. he's got a... I don't know if we can. Some of some of these guys have um, have uh, relationships with CNBC that they can't go on other media. Um, but you know, Grasso would be a good one to get on too. But he's uh, he's influential. He says I like this stock and it blasts off. Like, and he's been right. He had the Capri one. So, anyways, but he said he liked it too. GE and he thought it could go to eighteen. So when all those people get on board and all those people are pumping it, the stock goes up. It gets hit yesterday because the overall market got hit. But it's not surprising that this one's one of the first ones to snap back. Because there's people who have that underneath demand that are watched a lot. CNBC sees a lot of people, a lot of viewers there. So it's not surprising that that one steps back. And you know what else? Uh, Morgan Stanley went to a street high price target of 17 on it yesterday. So they, they wiped out the – I mean, it wasn't an upgrade. They maintained their overweight, but they went to 17, cleared out the sellers at 14, and then, you know, you haven't been up at 14 in 33 months. You get to 14, 13, and then what row? Uh, the market turned around. So that was the reason for the sell-off. You got the gap fill, um, and GE is fighting its way back. But uh, boring stock, we haven't mentioned. Maybe I'll track down Mr. Inch. We haven't talked to him in a while. Get his thoughts. He's S- going to get bullish. When he gets bullish, I'll get bullish. S&P Futures Oh, we're ripping. We're calling for 38. The yeah, buyers win again. Jason Rastic. Look, we got the same shirt, man. Same shirt. There we go. He's yes. copying off me. We got Spencer to turn off. Nice. How do I do that? That's like magic. <laughs> I joined. He goes away. That is great. So, the you know, we got some issues with the 10-year bond, guys. 10-year bond, 162. Good jobs report numbers like that. Um, I had some, you know, Dennis, in this malaise of a week, I had a huge winner. 
Um, it wasn't my pick, though. I'll be honest. It was this Viv, the biotech lady, KMPH. Oh, I, like yeah, 80, I saw that one. Had good up, numbers. It went up or, 80, like I, on their trials. Yeah, it went up like 80%. Did you get out? And I, I had it, yeah. I mean, I didn't keep all of it, but I had it like a, a decent amount. I was like, whoa, I swing green. But as I it said, gave it all you know, back I, though. I gave it all back in two days. So you, you I know. got out on some of that on that pop. You were able to get oh, out. Oh, yeah. No, no. That day when I saw it, I was like, holy cow, I have something in the green. So I sold 50% of the right then. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I do the same thing on the bad days. I'm like, oh, some green. I got that money out of there. That, that's exactly right. I'm like, oh my God. I So I sold 50% of it. She told me not to. She said, oh, it's a dumb move, but I did it. And it's a smart move. Whatever. Smart so, move, Jason. No, I, I just give it back. No, so I just like, I had it. I had my, um, you know, I, I got a little bit handed to me in, in the sense of, you know, Wingstop. I like Wingstop as a long term hold because I think um, it'll continue to do well. But yeah. I, I, here's here's what I want to say. I, I had call options on it. I still do actually. Um, they're like June call options. I was up like three hundred percent on them, and now I'm down like a hundred percent on them. Okay. And I, and I have a decent amount. So I had enough that I could have taken 50% off when I was up 300%. Yeah. And it was me being, getting cocky and saying like, Oh, the earnings are going to kill it. No matter what. I know it. I know it. I know it. But you never know. It's like, even though when I was so confident on Upwork, they could have had a bad quarter. They could have had an accounting thing. You know, you never know. And so, yeah. and so to Dennis, to you're talking about KMPH, I sold 50% of it because you just never know. Yes, yeah. you go back, Dennis and I would talk about how we were so mad we didn't hang on to more of whatever in the past. But the truth is, when the market goes straight up, it's always easy to say that. But when the market starts to take hits, you realize, okay, there's a reason why you would sell. There's a reason why you would trim. And so I'm annoyed at my wing stop because I was up so much money on it, on my call options, and now I'm down. And I'm now I'm just like suffering um, through it, you know? So that is that is something I just want to say it's okay to trim some winners Joel had a talk with me about it with Tesla you know a few four weeks ago I came on at 864 I mean I can show you my things I sold at 871 864 850 and I haven't sold Tesla in years um but I only sold 10 percent of the position I bought some puts but I only sold 10 percent so I'm still very long Tesla yes okay they want to know some of my picks so TRS sorry TRSSF I still own I don't own PHUN. I, I'm not. That's funware. I don't even know why. I don't think I said that. Um, BTN. I still own. BTN has great management. It's going to take some um, time on that one. It's not. It's like uh, it's from my friend Brian. That's the one he gave me. That one. He's the guy that also gave me QRTA and um, a couple others. You guys know he gave me TAST. That's so I believe in Brian. Um, okay, so that's that. Um, are you buying like anything actively down here? Like we've had a significant dip. Are you looking at, you know, oh, I like this one. I've been eyeing this stock for a while and taking advantage of some of the cheaper prices. Yeah. So I'm starting to, Dennis. I okay. wanted to clear up my ones I didn't like as much. Like I sold CLSK. I sold, I sold a lot. I mean, like I said, three weeks ago, I started trimming, but I didn't trim enough. Right. So now yeah. I'm going to open this. I bought, um, ha, I was just going to say, um, I was just going to say I bought something, but I actually bought a put. So that's not, that's not <laughs> a good example. Um, what I buy, I, oh, <laughs> I bought a spy put as well. Um, let me see. So I, um, API, I may have picked up a little bit, um, some long-term calls on it. Um, uh, I almost, I almost picked up some Peloton yesterday, but I didn't yet. I thought maybe it hit in the nineties. Um, also looking Are you at, still in Peloton? Like, are you still yes. long your other, you're just adding to it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, but I was going to, I put a limit in from that. Did it go? Did it hit 94? I put That's a limit order, like 9650. I have a limit order. Yes, I'm still long. I mean, I, I mean, I sold, I sold um my main Peloton, but I kept, let's say I kept 100 shares just to, uh, you know, ride it. Um, what else was I looking at? Um, Aren't you, uh, the pandemic's over? Don't you think it's, uh, cause I no. wanted to dump it. I, we still got our whole position. I wanted to dump it at no, 130. No. What do you think? The subscription thing? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, actually Joel. I refuse to get on the Peloton until today, until we sell the stock, but I, I needed to work out today. So I got on the Peloton. Joel, I know you, your, your, your ranking's going down, man. It's like you don't work out at all. So that's <laughs> I like the social network of it. And I, I thought you worked out harder, but I you, swam you, yesterday. I've been swimming again. I'm back in the pool. I it doesn't count. It doesn't count if you're not in the Peloton. Okay. Go okay. ahead. I don't know. I just think it's a I don't know, pandemic stock. Dennis talked me out of it. I don't know. I mean, isn't aren't there variants of Corona? Like is it is it is are we really out of the woods? Is it really No, not? that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't think Peloton's going away either. It's just the valuations never, you know, I bought it back at 25 and uh, 25. I bought it at a similar time you did. I just sold it at 40 because I thought it was overdone at 40. I, I think it was going to 170. So I don't have the diamond hands. Yep. <laughs> I, just I have the opposite of diamond hands. <laughs> You know yeah, what? The, here's this paper. Thing, Raz, before you it's move called, on to it's this. Called paper paper hands, hands. Dennis, it paper was, hands. it was, and this is the thing. And if you could like jot down this note and keep an eye on it, uh, th- she, we, she picked up some more like right here in this area. Right. Yeah, and like. yeah, yeah, I didn't put the order in and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh, we got some more. And then they, this was earnings. This is what they, when when you have a stock like that and it has an earnings pop and then it gives it away and it was a good report, I just I knew I was toast then. So I said, "When are you going to worry about it?" She says, "One thirty. And then I talked to her. What about one thirty? And she goes, "I'm not a day trader." So I'm like, <laughs> you know, so there it is. But anyways, I don't know. I I like to see it come back. But sorry, Raz, go ahead. No, it's okay. And, and Peloton could have a competitor, but it's a network effects. It's a network effects. They have the network. So I'm not really worried about competitors right now with Peloton. But I, I did like, so I sold some ga- more GAN. I mean, let's say I had a thousand shares come t- three months ago. I have probably 600 shares or 500 shares. Good. When it hit like 28, 29, I trimmed. I told people I did that. I, I did Asana, same thing. It was at 36, 38. I trimmed. Um, I've been saying this. For like three weeks, I wanted some dry powder, and I realized Dennis realized too that he had too much spacs, and he trimmed yeah. it in this week, beginning of the week. And I heard him say it. I'm like, let me go look at my spac allocation. So I did a little bit of trimming there. I'm not out of the market. I'm not like saying the market's bad. I'm trying, like Dennis or Joel asked me, am I looking for opportunities? Yeah, I'm looking for opportunities. So that API is an opportunity. IMR could be an opportunity. The BTN is potentially an opportunity. These some of these guys love this stock VISL. I don't understand it. I didn't buy any more of it, but I'm just I'm researching a little more. Um, there's uh, the KPMA KMPH. Suppose there's still a lot of good stuff with that. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at some battery stocks. AQMS. Um, I bought Tap TAP. Chris Camillo's loving it because they're new energy drink. So I I picked up that one TAP. That's um, interesting. Um, yeah, uh, all those charts were just going. I was flying through the charts. As yeah, sorry, you, were you can go TAP. Dennis, TAP is probably the one you could look at. That yeah, one. I mean, it's stabilized, and it actually is. You know, a, it's a reopening play. I would say Cruise Beverage is a reopening play as well. 
Yep. I, I don't mind this chart. Actually, all those ones that you just looked at, a lot of those are broken charts, but this one is trying to hold Buying on. So. Institutional buying down. Yeah. yeah. We, well, and you know what? I don't know if they cut the dividend. Were they one that cut the dividend to zero? I think it still is a zero, but eventually they probably reinstate that dividend. I think they had a dividend before. I'm pretty sure they did. So right. I see it's zero now. So they probably cut it during the during COVID, um, where yeah. everybody cut their. Dividend. So I bought some call options, Dennis, to, for June, and I bought stock. Um, they have some new stuff coming out that could be competitive to some of the biggest players in this um, these new kind of energy drinks. So uh, and they yeah they did they did cut div the dividend. What is this Beachbody thing? People keep talking to me about Beachbody. I don't know it, and everyone keeps I see someone in the it's chat right stock? now. It's a spec. Well, what's the symbol? It's going public via SPAC. What's the symbol? That's uh, FRX. That's the oh. Shack SPAC. Thank you, Mitch. Oh, that's the wow. Shack SPAC. Yeah, someone someone told me yesterday oh. the Benzinga Pro affiliate program should be like Beachbody, where they have like it's like a net. It's, I guess it's like a network thing. It's a big network. So, um, all right. I know I'm getting off since we have a guest coming on, but there was a couple a couple things. You guys, I interviewed Kathy Wood earlier this week. Kathy Wood from um, Arc Investment. Talked to her as well. Um, the Jim Cramer, Kathy Wood fight or argument or whatever is getting a lot of love on YouTube. She's getting a lot of support when, you know, Jim Cramer told her to close her ETF. Um, I don't know if you haven't had a chance to check it out. Go to Benzinga's YouTube. Um, we worked. Get, we tried to ask as many questions and stocks as, as I could. I know I missed um, Peloton. I know I missed Palantir. I didn't do Palantir for a reason, though. If you go look her up, you can see that she talks about Palantir a week ago for like 15 minutes. And I knew if I asked about Palantir, it would be a long answer and I would miss four hours. <laughs> <laughs> you did your research on this interview, Rob. <laughs> oh, Dennis. You were doing your homework, man. Dennis, I had an earpiece in my ear from like 5 o'clock that day, the night before, to 11 o'clock. My kids were like, dude, do you ever take your phone out of your ear? And they just didn't understand what I was doing. I listened to everything you could possibly listen to her. So yeah. I... I know her answer. I'm telling you, I can tell you the whole answer. My my fear was if I asked that question, it'd be a six minute answer. And so she loves Palantir. Loves it, loves it, loves it. And then so, you know, Chris wanted me to ask about Camille. You know, he doesn't he doesn't she doesn't own Peloton, but she used to. And there's a lot of stocks she does. But you guys, I don't know if you saw when I asked about stocks. I didn't I named like 10 stocks at once. It was pretty funny. Um, but just the minutes kept going so fast. And I was like, come on, clock, slow down. And she's like, Jason, if you can vent that. I'll uh, pay you whatever you want. Did you guys see that Shamath sold his uh, space holdings, SPC? I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Do we know why? If we had um, time. $200 million, $200 million. He didn't, I didn't see if he, uh, I don't know if Spencer pulled it up on Twitter yet. Um, did, did he, he say why? Did you want to know, why? You you know his average price was $34.32. For, that he sold. That he sold it. Hey, Matthew Brandt wants to with the Benzinga IPO. I did talk to a guy who took three companies public last night. And he was trying to convince me that if we took Benzinga public, we'd have a lot of investors. I don't know if that's the case, but that's just what he's trying Still to do. SPAC. That's what he was trying to. He was trying to convince me to SPAC or take Benzinga public. I'm like, well, how do we know people invest in the company? I don't know. Like, it's kind of weird to me. But and I'm sure you want to have all those accounting meetings and everything to do that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> no. You know, Joel, 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 you know how I feel about meetings. If there's more than four people, I don't go, right? So, so when they have a board meeting, I'm like, I don't do that. Or, 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 or he goes and then finds a reason to leave. Yes, yes. I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. All right. I'm pretty excited for your interview coming up, Spencer. Yeah, we, yeah we've yeah, we got David Gandler here in the background. I'll bring him on in just a second. Yeah, uh, be, David before Gandler. You kick, before you kick me off, got to yeah. say follow, follow me on Twitter at Jason Rasnick. 
And if you use E-Trade, let them know to add Benzinga News and send us an email <laughs> to powerhour at Benzinga.com. We'll send you a T-shirt or uh, track jacket. Make sure to include your address, name, and size if you wish to opine. I sound like an old guy on TV. All right, guys. If you wish to you. opine. All right. Thanks a lot, Raz. Uh, guys, smash that like button for Jason. We appreciate that. All the likes, all the comments, all the super chats. Thank you very much. Let's bring on our guest now, David Gandler, CEO of Fubo. David, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Oh no! Can't hear him. Oh. We've got a mic. We've got a. We've got a mic. Hear me now. Yes, we hear you now. Excellent. Thank you for having me, Spencer. How are we doing this morning? Excellent. Excellent. All right. Let's start with the news from the other day. Uh, the the deal with Caesars. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that. What exactly does this integration look like for Fubo? So, well, the deal with Caesars is really just a uh, multi-state. Um, market access deal, right? So you have to do these deals uh, because all of the regu- uh, regulation is, is on a state by state basis. So, um, you know, during our earnings call, we announced our market access deal with Casino Queen in Iowa. This is sort of an extension going into two more states. So our goal for 2021 was a minimum of three states. So here we are right out of the gate. So what, and that's, uh, sports betting is going live on on Fubo when like Q4, right? Yes. Yeah, so our, our book, our book is so you know if you've been following us closely, uh, November 10th, we decided that we were going to get into the wagering space. We didn't know if it, we, we we kept the optionality for ourselves to, you know, either do a partnership uh, with a with a sports book or or go it alone. Uh, and I recall, you know, Laura Martin asked me. She said, "Well, what do you think?" And I said, "You know." It's a big project, as you guys know. 2022 seemed like the right time. And then, uh, you know, once we felt comfortable with our ability to execute, as you know, we, we know the sports space very well. We're a technology company. Uh, and I think we've demonstrated over the last six years that we move very quickly. Uh, we ended up with two very quick um, uh, M&A transactions, uh, three licenses uh, before the first quarter's up. And now we're saying we're going to launch a sports book um, in fourth quarter. So well in advance of kind of what our plans were initially. What was, was part of that though, what seeing what, you know, your competitors were doing, uh, this DraftKings disc deal, disc deal was announced earlier this week as well. So did that factor into things you, you felt like maybe you're falling behind? Well, I would actually say it's quite the opposite. I've been saying for a year, uh, or more, uh, that, you know, we felt that we sit at the intersection of three mega trends and people, you know, have, have said many times that this doesn't make any sense. And so the, the, the deal that you're referring to, in my opinion, validates what I have been saying for quite some time. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think we're actually ahead of the game because, um, you know, in, to truly build the right experience, you can only do it under one technology platform. Uh, I believe that it's very difficult to uh, have two different companies collaborate. That's not to say that it's impossible, but, um, you know, again, where you can't share data you know, you, you know, uh, the book may not know what the video customer is doing. The video customer doesn't know what the book is doing. Uh, this way, we think we can build an end-to-end solution. So uh, in my opinion, again, it's, it's, first of all, it's not a zero-sum game. Uh, the two companies you mentioned are great. I think Jason Robbins is, is an amazing guy. I know him. But, you know, like I said, it's not a zero-sum game. And you guys know this. Canby's report uh, came out, you know, I think it was last year. with The average customer has four books on their app, on their on their phone. So, you know, it's not either or. I think there's an opportunity for us. And, you know, we have uh, one of the largest sports packages online. So, uh, but again, for me, that was validation. 
what was up with this FuboBet.com thing? Did, oh, what, yeah. What, what was that about? So first of all, let me just – I want to put a pin into this one. Uh, so notice on the, on the earnings call, I mentioned Fubo Sportsbook many, many times, specifically, not FuboBet. Uh, that is a page, a splash page that we put up November 30th of last year to test colors and to test name. And that page is FuboBet. And notice I've been talking about Fubo Sportsbook. So we came to the conclusion in January after multiple tests, tests around that page that colors and, you know, the word bet is probably not the best thing. Uh, and Sportsbook made more sense. I think the situation that you're referring to, uh, you know, uh, you know, we were in the middle of earnings. And uh, I think the question was, is this official? I think the the miscommunication was this was not an official launch. Uh, versus not being official. Now that's that page has been up since November 30th. I have no clue who, what, when, where, why decided to uh, put that page up. So okay, so official in the sense that yes, it's from Fubo. It's not an official launch, but right. it's not the launch of anything right. new. Okay, right. uh, yeah, there was some weird yeah. stuff going on around that. So yeah, I, which doesn't surprise me. I, I, you know, sometimes I I get people calling me saying I heard this, I saw that. I'm like, guys, like our job is to deliver results, uh, you know, and we've raised guidance three times. Uh, you know, we crushed our net additions for the fourth quarter relative to our peers, both traditional and virtual. Um, you know, we said we were going to do wagering uh, track record that we move quickly, uh, you know, is, is once again proven with our ability to move quickly on the wagering side with these deals. So um, that's what we're focused on. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very happy with our results and I'm extremely bullish uh, on the future of the industry and the business. So one more thing before we, we move on on the sports betting. Uh, when What is the target date for when people will be able to wager directly on the Fubo platform? Yeah, so so um, we, we have a target quarter now. The target quarter is fourth quarter. The reason why we cannot give you a target date is because we just completed our deal. We closed, I think it was on Friday. The victory team, who I'm super excited about, these guys are the real deal. Um, they're flying in on Monday, so we'll have all of our our prep meetings and strategy. And um, you know, the good news is we bought a functionally uh, well, it's a functioning sports book, right? So this is a, it's just pre revenue, which is exactly how we like it because it gives us an opportunity to actually uh, further develop it in a way that we want that makes sense for our video product. So fourth quarter is what I can tell you. Uh, that's a pull forward from what we've been saying, which I think was end of December, potentially uh, first quarter of 2022. That's good news. Uh, and as we get closer to, uh, you know, fourth quarter, you know, we'll obviously provide you uh, more clarity around that. So um, but again, we're moving very quickly. You have to go through regulation. You have to actually submit your app uh, to the regulators so that they have to take it through like a six or seven week process. So that's the reason why it's difficult for us at the moment to say what is that exact date. But I do anticipate sometime uh, end of second quarter or early third quarter, we'll probably have a, a more definitive timeline. Uh, moving on to to other areas of, of the business, uh, you know, your, your subscriber uh, growth uh, grew a lot last year. Uh, your revenue uh, grew a lot, but your losses, uh, your losses widened as well a lot. Uh, is, is profitability, is narrowing those losses a priority right now? And, and if so, how do you do that? Yeah. So, uh, just, I want to be clear that I'm, you know, I'm answering the question. Are you referring to the 570 million 
uh, or the or the uh, the the two dollars and forty two negative two dollars. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's that's what I'm referring so, to the negative EPS. Yeah. So this this is one of the things uh, around our business that it's important for me to meet with people like you and communicate because you have to be very careful. You have to look at the details uh, of our financials. Most of that loss is actually uh, based on a revaluation of warrants. So these are a lot of non-cash items. We uh, took an impairment on face bank assets. Um, you know, we wrote down 250 million or think or so. Um, you know, again, you can kind of go through the filings. So, um, and then there was about, if I'm not mistaken, about 50 million dollars of uh, stock-based compensation. So the losses are not as excessive as it looks. Uh, you know, based on the way we look at it. So, right, right. Th that didn't, that was a big chunk, but that didn't account for all the losses, right? No, of and, course, of right. course. Look, let, let's be clear, gentlemen. This is a six year old company. It's not Roku. It's not 20 years old. It's not right. Blix of 24 years old. It's not Spotify. This is a company that is moving quickly, that has been very efficient to date. You know, the actual cash burn rate, uh, I believe, uh, was somewhere around 200 or below $200 million. So, you know, to get in a business like this, and you guys know how expensive the streaming world is, you know, we have done uh, an amazing job getting this business up and running, uh, you know, with very limited capital. We've been excellent stewards of capital uh, for our shareholders. And, uh, you know, look at the way we've approached wagering. There's no $300 million M&A transaction with uh, significant integration risk. We do things in a way that we think is controlled, minimizing risk and allowing us to uh, move very quickly uh, and do it in a way that, you know, allows us to continue to A-B test uh, and iterate, which is what we, which is our playbook. As far as your uh, subscriber growth, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry, uh, revenue, uh, almost half of that for last year came during the fourth quarter, which was also when we had this like once in a lifetime sports calendar right because all these sports that 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 had stopped in the pandemic and they all came back at the same time uh so how do you how do you see that going forward because that that was yeah. almost half your revenue last year and we're never going to get that situation ever again okay so let, let's just be clear what we're saying this was the commentary around q3 not q4 the commentary around q3 was there were no sports through june right correct me if i'm wrong yeah and all then right. q3 was this massive quarter of all these leagues, the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, all coming back at once. And I think the narrative around that quarter was, okay, you had a, an awesome quarter um, and you know, it's not going to happen again uh, because it's just a once in a lifetime uh, situation as you just described. However, let's fast forward to Q4 and I can just walk you through the numbers. Ad sales revenue went from seven and change to $8.47. That was up significantly. Contribution margin normalized for Q3 uh, was about 10.5%. We finished the year with 11.7% contribution margin, which will ultimately be our, our gross profit once we get through the minimum guarantees, which I believe are uh, some point in June or July. And that's why we use that adjusted contribution margin. So when we flip it to gross profit margin, you can actually look at the historicals on an apples to apples basis where it's just straight variable. Um, and then when you look at the subscriber net additions, I mean, this is a very, very important point, right? Buying stocks and um, looking at companies is about looking forward, right? Not backwards, right? We're, our job is to extrapolate and build. And so what I'm very excited about is that special quarter that you're talking about, Q3, um, we actually netted about 11 percent 
of net additions from the virtual MVPD space. And in Q4, that number was actually 18%. Okay, so if you're saying we benefited, not you, if the, if, you know, the pundit right. is saying we benefited, well, and, and many of them are saying that we have the same package or which we don't, uh, but let's just say we do, then why didn't everyone benefit the same way? So what we've established ourselves as, as a true sports uh, player, that is underscored by our net additions for the fourth quarter. Uh, it's underscored by our ability to raise prices because we raised prices to $65, just like everybody else. Um, and we had the same sports calendar and benefited the same way as everyone else. So that should tell you that we are actually executing very well. Uh, and that's why I'm extremely bullish going into 2021. I, I think Joel had a question. Joel? Oh, wait, I muted you. Sorry, Joel. One second. There we go. We're on the line with <laughs> David Gambler. Gandler, oh, I didn't yep. say gambler there. Uh, Fubo CEO. Well, not, you say gambler uh, now, right? Gambler. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> betting space. So, <laughs> my bad. My bad. The Fubo CEO joining us here on Benzinga's pre-market prep show, a little extended show. Uh, David, uh, I, I can't help think about the circumstances over the last year and the pandemic correct um i know it hurts your business as far as you know having the sporting events uh but isn't there a boon to the online gaming just from the fact that you know people can't go to games and you know and and spend the time and tailgating and doing everything um and i know it's impossible to predict when that's going to happen again uh, but do you see, you know, that ha- possibly having an, a, a negative effect on your business when people start, you know, returning to stadiums? Because I, I, I just for me, I mean, I go and I cheer for my team. I can't see there being on the game and being on the phone and gambling. I know, I know. Talk, Jeff. talk about how the yeah. pandemic, how you adjusted, and then also yeah. moving forward. Okay, so so let let me unpack this for you. I, I think this is a great question because. Um, are you a Yankees fan? Are you in New York or where, where are you based? I'm a Yankees fan. Joel's not, but I am. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's, put, let's play some trivia here. How many, uh, how many seats are in Yankee stadium? Uh, 40,000 around, around 50, maybe high 40s. Okay. So how many people, Joel, this is a tri- not a trick question. How many okay. people across the United States can you jam into Yankee stadium 120 days uh, or 120 games. Like, you know, you're only going to go see one or two games a season. I don't think you're the guy that's going to go watch 80 games or 90 games in a season. So my point is that you're still going to need access to your games and you're going to want to watch it on your smart TV. And so the only thing that I believe will happen is that when you go to that game, I've got an opportunity to actually allow you in one interface to continue uh, to place bets, to do prop betting, to think about micro markets. And by the way, uh, Spencer, to your point about why it's important, why well, it was to my point about why it's important to do both of these things under one roof. Think about, you know, something that's going to be big very soon is the micro markets, right? Betting, prop betting. Think about when you know what people are watching and you know what kind of bets they make. And now you can create your own markets specific and unique to what's happening in your ecosystem. Right. So there is a huge opportunity to differentiate here. And I don't believe I think when stadiums open up, it's actually going to create more value because I think what the pandemic has done for sports is that you kind of been living this life where you're at home, you're taking care of your kids, you're, you know, uh, you're doing all these house chores and you're trying to do your job. 
And you kind of sort of forget that there are sports out there, right? Because you're missing that sort of your normal day where you go to work, you've got weekends. And it, it seems like last year was just one long, long day. And I think that once things normalize, I think you'll start to see uh, improvements uh, in uh, engagement around sports. Now, last thing I'm going to mention is, and I think, Joel, you said, you know, tell me about going forward. Look, our numbers in, in our viewership hours in Q3 were about 121. Uh, you saw us uh, announce 127 hours of viewership in Q4. And, you know, I'm very happy to say that, you know, when I look at January numbers, they're starting to creep up uh, above 130 hours. So, uh, again, that's not to say where the quarter ends. But to me, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable that while you do have a pandemic, I think people are going to be splitting their time and, and using their time differently. But I do not believe that they'll stop uh, watching the amount of television that they have been watching. Uh, at least with Fubo, that's not evident to me in the data that I've seen, at least in in the early indication. Okay, one other uh, quick question for you. This is kind of like a sore spot in my heart because were you ever uh, were you ever familiar with the Trade Sports platform? Uh, no, I wasn't. Okay, uh, this is back in the early two thousands. I was a buddy of mine. We actually developed a, a betting platform. Oh wow! Uh, to, okay. Yeah, for intra-game wagering. Okay. Do you guys offer anything like that, or are, you know, it was a zero to one hundred probability, and you can trade, and it'd be a basketball game, and the shot would go up, and everyone would pull their markets, and then the shot would go in, and it'd be a new market. Are you guys for intra-game wagering? Are you guys making any plans uh, to enter that? Yeah. Market? So, so first of all, we are not yet regulated. We have. I just want to make, okay. make it clear. So uh, there's a couple things. One, we are not yet regulated. Our uh, press release that came out yesterday was we have a deal with Caesar subject to regulatory approval, so we have to go through that process. The whole point of this, Joel, is to actually do what you're saying, which okay. is to take all of that data. This is not about who won the game. This is about, you know, who's going to hit the foul shot? Who's going to score the penalty kick? Uh, you know, is he going to pass more than 200 yards today? Is he going to throw an interception? That's the kind of stuff that I think is going to create that level of engagement to further drive um, retention. And but the more you watch, the more advertising revenue. So for me, this was a very natural uh, play uh, for our video product. Uh, David, uh, one more. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but uh, yeah. there's been a lot of bearish criticism of Fubo, whether it's from Rich Greenfield or from Carysdale Capital. Yeah. What don't the bears understand about Fubo? So, well, let's just lay out the facts. Uh, you just mentioned uh, some of these reports. I, again, I, I try not to read them because – you know, my job is to focus on strategy and focus on the business. You know, some of the things that I've heard, I don't know if it's true, you guys can keep me honest, is that, you know, I've heard things like their downloads collapsed in December. I mean, you know, some of this stuff is actually just fake and uh, it's not even sourced. And, um, you know, my job, again, is to deliver results. Guidance increased three times uh, in three quarters, hitting all the numbers that we talked about. You know, we went through a roadshow. We delivered on everything we said we would, and that's why uh, analysts that are covering it, um, you know, are are are. I, I don't want to say super optimistic, but it seems from what I've read is they're they're optimistic. Uh, obviously, not as optimistic as I am, uh, and I, I think that there's a lack of understanding in the business. Uh, and I honestly don't think there's anything that we can do to get some people to change their minds. I think you guys know that. Um, so we only focus on on what we can control and. Uh, you know, if investors believe that there's an opportunity here, uh, you know, that's 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 their call. And uh, our chat is asking us, how do we get Benzinga on Fubo? <laughs> that's from our chat. 
Well, yeah, you have an in, right? So yeah. um, uh, I think, look, as, uh, as I always say, there is no there are capacity limits in the virtual world. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you guys send me a T-shirt, uh, <laughs> you know, that I can share with the team, not for me. Um, I'd like to, you know, uh, position you guys as sort of, uh, you know, the leaders in the space and, uh, we'll, we'll get you in front of the licensing team. David Gandler is the CEO of FUBA. We appreciate your time this morning. Thanks yeah, a lot. No, thank you, gentlemen. Great questions. Have All a right. good one. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, that was a fun extended show. Uh, thanks a lot to Dave Gamler and, and the people uh, at Fubo. If you're listening via podcast, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.